Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Rosell, and I'm joined, as always, by John Fisher. Hello, John. Hello, Dan. It's been a while, but uh, when we last recorded, we left you on the cliffhanger about Jesper Bratt's contract. Not only did the Devils get that one resigned right before the arbitration hearing actually started, but also they got uh, Miles Wood signed as well to a deal. And that's mainly what we're here to talk about today. Um, because- Poor Tyce Thompson. He doesn't give it a mention at all. That's that's a joke, everybody. We'll talk about Tyce Thompson too. Yeah, that's fine. We'll talk about Tyce Thompson when he's you know playing in the AHL. Anyway, uh, that's mainly what has happened in the world of the New Jersey Devils recently. Um, so the Devils finally got the deal done with their star winger, Jesper Brad. It feels more like they didn't really get the deal done as much as kick the can down the road another year. But yep. for one year and the cost of five point four five million. They're going to give Jesper Bratt another chance to prove that he does indeed deserve this giant pay raise that he definitely deserves. And they're going to sweat it out again next free agency period, waiting for the long-term extension as they start to finally settle in who will be remaining on the core long-term. See, you're absolutely right about the phrase, kick the can down the road. Now, I will say up front is that uh, originally their arbitration hearing was scheduled uh, at 9 a.m. Eastern time, which is actually the standard time for all arbitration hearings, that's in the CBA, on Wednesday, August 3rd. And 9.01 happened on August 3rd and no news of a signing. So you mm-hmm. presume they went to the hearing. And then at 9.50, the Devils announced, oh, no, we signed him to a contract. We avoided arbitration. So I got to think literally minutes before the hearing, somebody, whether it's uh, Fitzgerald, more likely uh, brought in his agent, told mm-hmm. the arbitrator, can you give us an hour? To, to you know hammer out the details pretty much and 
And uh, to be fair, I'll say up front, signing a contract is much better than going to arbitration because once that hearing starts, you might as, well, might as well assume that your relationship with the player and the team is done, done. They are done rings. They are donezo. Open up a box. What's in there? Nothing. There's no relationship anymore. And the main reason for that is because the arbitration process in hockey is very cold, very calculated. We, you know, earlier in the week, they announced filings. A lot of people poo pooed that to say, ah, well, you know, they're just fake numbers. You know, they're just talking points. No, once you get to the hearing, you have to argue for those numbers. Mm -hmm. You can't just throw up your hands and say, no, those numbers are fake. Here's the real number. No, it doesn't work that way. It's not like baseball where it's just assumed to be a matter of business. In hockey, this tends to lead to the player and the team cutting ties some way, somehow, whether that's through free, restricted free agency or a trade, more likely the latter. So that didn't happen. So yay. Yeah, I mean, it's a guarantee that he'll be around the team. They get another year to, I guess, comfortably negotiate with him depending on how it's going. If he puts right. up a similar performance, it's I don't think it's a hard stretch to say that he's going to make, you know, two to three million extra compared to what he's making in this deal. Um, yeah. But it does kind of, you know, round out the roster with that and Miles Wood being signed. Um, and Miles Wood actually got more money than the team was going to. It, it's a little bit more money than they would have been given by the arbitrator had they been meeting directly in the middle, I think, between the two two amounts. I think it's closer to Wood's amount, but the Devils are willing to take that risk because it's only one year. Yeah. In general, arbitration filings are for one or two seasons uh usually that if it's player elected arbitration the team decides it i want to say the team excuse me doesn't decide it if it's team elected i'm not sure but mm. typically it's a one season deal um but yeah in the case of wood his his situation is a little different than brat since he's a year older than brat uh he's going to turn ufa next season like he's now qualified for ufa status after 2023 this one makes more sense to come to a smaller agreement uh because as we've talked about last time and talked about throughout the past 30 or so episodes, what has been out hurt with a hip injury. And we have no idea what type of player he will be when he comes back. Mm-hmm. No idea. Um, so there's no need to give him a long-term deal. Whereas I think playing chicken with your, your, your team's top scorer from last season is a bad idea. You know, committing short-term to wood is much more understandable. I don't like the fact that he's at $3.2 million and there's a high chance he's a, he's a fourth liner. I don't think paying those guys that much money is a good idea. I mean, if we're going to be really honest here, Dan, would would you rather have Miles Wood or would you rather have Fabian Zetterloon in that spot for the season, even though Zetterloon would be on his off way? I think they would produce about the same. It's hard to say, though, because Wood being out for the year where all the offensive players took a step forward makes you wonder, you know, how would he have played alongside those guys? But he How wouldn't would that have played have with the offensive guys. No, no, he wouldn't have. But you assume at some point the lineup shuffles would have happened when the goalies were still letting in every yeah, shot that existed that's ever. That's true. Yeah, he would have gotten some extra run, extra shifts with some better players here and there. However, I'll point out even in that 2021 season where, you know, he did score 17 goals in 55 games, you know, he wasn't playing with the big players then either. So, yeah. So it's, it's six or a half dozen of the other. I mean, Wood has consistently been used as a bottom six player. It's always telling to me how fans react and think of a player because a, a lot of fans like Miles Wood, and I get it. He's fast. He, he scores a bunch of goals randomly, shoots the puck wherever. He, he, he throws down a whole bunch of times. I get it. 
But the thing is, is that the Devils have always used him as a bottom six winger. He's never been a consistent playoff or primary playoff player. He's never been a guy who just stands in front of the net, which kind of defeats the purpose of Miles Wood. He's a guy who goes fast. You don't want him to stand still. Yeah. You want to move it. Uh, but of course, if you try to get Miles Wood to turn or you try to get him to play defense, he's not as fast. So he's very much a limited hockey player. Mm-hmm. And, and in general, I just don't like the fact that because of his previous salary and the filings, you know, the number settled on was 3.2 million. But again, you avoided an arbitration hearing. That's always a positive. Yeah, this is the definition of a prove it deal. I mean, this is yeah. like Brats, people are saying it is, but Brat doesn't really have to prove anything. I think he no. did what he had to do to show his worth. Miles Wood has to definitely prove his worth after missing a year. Does he hang with the speed of the reset? Does he hang with the new offense tempo? And will it be easier for them to get going as an offense if he's there back checking too sometimes? I don't know. It's it's all speculative, which is why this deal exists in the first place. But they'll both be back, and it kind of seems like the Devils are done doing stuff. Um, I, I think in terms of cap flexibility, they have somewhere around $70,000 left, but you have to imagine that'll be more once they um, put Jonathan Bernier on long-term injured reserve. That'll free up, what, like five mil? Uh, four four. 4.125 and okay. the devils do have one bit of business left. They have to sign Fabian Zetterlund to a new contract, mm-hmm. which is kind of why I mentioned him earlier. Yeah. Uh, he's up for an RFA, but he doesn't have arbitration eligibility. So the devils basically can sign him whenever they want. They're kind of at, he has to wait for them in a sense. Yeah. Um, I don't think Zetterlund's in a position to hold out. That would be very weird of him since he has yet to be a full-time NHLer. I think he should have a really good shot at it in training camp. But it's going to be rather interesting to see how the Devils do this because the Devils, thanks to you know all the moves that they've made so far this summer, their lineup is, as you said, pretty full. Like, you know, if you're a guy who is grinding it in Utica, if you're a Zetterloon, a Tice Thompson, a Nolan Foot, a Graham Clark, an Alexander Holtz in particular, um, good luck making the roster. You know, <laughs> you already have 13 forwards signed, and then if you're a defenseman, it's even harder. Because you already had Smith side, Marino was brought in to replace Smith, so you know Marino's staying in the lineup. Um, you know, if you're a guy like Walsh, uh, Ball, Vukicevic, Okotyuk, um, you know, the fact that the team drafted Simon Nemitz, uh, who may have a chance to make this team straight up. I know that his plan is to go to Utica first, but I, I would be shocked if the Devils don't give him a long look in preseason mm-hmm. and go, maybe you want to play nine games, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, good luck finding a roster spot. I know during a season there will be injuries, there will be opportunities for call-ups, but at the same time, if you're a guy who is, you know, grinding it with the comments, you put in a good work, it's got to be a little disheartening to know that there's not an easy pathway to the uh, to the roster. And that's been, you know, we, we we're talking about that issue. I, I want to relate this to the right-sided defenseman thing we have going here, because mm-hmm. right now we're looking pretty nice in terms of who we think is going to be on the roster but in terms of who would be the first out if things do go wrong you have to think that someone on that right side would be it right yeah severson is pretty much like target number one yeah severson uh graves would he play right well graves plays left yeah but he's also a ufa next season too so he's another prime target to get moved as well is Uh, there anyone else that you see on this roster right now that's another one of those uh, potential targets for, 
I don't know. I don't want to talk about the Devils being a seller already, but you have to wonder how much better the goaltending is going to be when they bring back the same guy and some guy who was slightly above league average. Well, Vanacek was, you know, well above league average in five on five. It was the penalty kill that brought him down. But that aside. Notoriously um, good special teams team, New Jersey Devils. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, the penalty kill (laughs) wasn't the problem. It's true. It was at the beginning. Well, that's true. But then Nazardine and Ruff decided, hey, let's use something that works instead of something that doesn't. And what do you know? It got better. Yeah. Anyway. But uh, yeah, we talked a bit about this in previous episodes where I do think that Johnson and uh, Tatar are liable targets. Uh, I think Tatar more so because he doesn't have a no trade clause, whereas Johnson does have, you know, a 10 team trade list or no trade list, as it were. Mm -hmm. Uh, Johnson is also making way less in base salary than his cap hit. Like his cap hit this season was $3.4 million. His base salary is the league minimum at $750,000. So if there's a team that needs cap room and doesn't want to spend a lot of money, you know, just to pick a random team, I don't know, Arizona, Buffalo, Anaheim's finally above the floor. Um, you know, I would definitely, you know, say, hey, look, we can help you out here um, if they're willing to help out. But uh, yeah, the Devils are in this odd spot here where despite the season that they had, despite the fact that um, their big signing at free agency was Andrich Palat, who a mm-hmm. guy that Brat outscored his best season ever, Yep. just to you know pick a random player to say that. Um, yeah, the team's nearly capped out. And they're going to need Bernier to go on long-term injured reserve to become much more compliant, not only compliant, but also to get Zetterlund signed and have more than enough room, not only for call-ups, but any other moves that you have to do. But you're absolutely right, Dan. Um, The team does have to start thinking a little bit more about, you know, the futures of Tatar, Johnson, Graves, Severson. I'm I'm hesitant to include Wood and Holla because I think they want to see what they can do first before you move them. But those are also pending UFA contracts that, um, you know, would be possible targets should the team have to make space or they stink again and they want to make a change. Mm -hmm. And we're obviously hoping that uh, they don't stink again and don't need to make that many changes. I mean, you're always looking to improve the team, but I wonder, you know, how much they'll look to actually improve if they're close to the playoffs or if they're comfortably in, you know what I mean? The difference between locking down a spot for sure or being somewhere around ninth, 10th. I think that might change how they approach any sort of deadline that happened this year. I I think what we're looking at is for them to be in that bubble region, making moves towards being a consistent playoff contender. I I don't think anyone's expecting to happen to the devils. What happened to the Rangers last year? Yeah. And and that's part of the reason why I'm embarking on this incredibly long, incredibly detailed uh, dive back into NHL history to look at the playoff droughts, of note uh, the various 30 NHL teams uh, to see what we can learn. And I'm learning, Dan, that a number of teams, their longest playoff droughts weren't necessarily seasons where the team was bad, but seasons where the team was just close, but not good enough. Like they just needed something to get over the hump. They needed something to break their way. 
some of them got out of it, like Dallas with a big, that big trade that brought in Tyler Seguin was a mm-hmm. big catalyst for that. Um, in the case of, um, in the case of uh, Minnesota, you know, say, you know, as, as much as we hate the fact that it happened, Zach Parise and uh, well, yeah. Ryan Sutter being signed to 13 season contracts, they were the catalyst for getting them over the hump. In the in, once the lockout season ended, or r- rather the lockout ended and the season happened. So, I mean, there's there's more than one way to skin this particular cat. There's more than one way to uh, uh, square this particular circle. But you're absolutely right, Dan. They're, they're going to have to do something here because I don't think just letting it ride and just letting guys get young guys get better is enough. I have yet to see that happen in, in, in the history that I've looked at of about 15 teams now. So yeah. I'm not then, expecting it to suddenly happen for the Devils. <laughs> you you can let young guys get better until they don't, I mean, until it's clear that there's like this is the best they're going to get. Like right, you keep them until a certain point where you say, listen, your timeline just doesn't line up with someone like a Jack Hughes. It doesn't line up with someone like a Nemitz who's coming in a couple of years at this point. We want that core centered around these two high picks, and he sure to be the core and someone who was supposed to line up with that and who actually was one of the last free agents in arbitration is former devil Pavel Zaka who got his deal done today. So for the cost of $3.5 million, the Bruins retained his services for a year, uh, taking him to unrestricted free agency. And I think that is again, one of those prove it deals that he would have received had he been here too. Exactly. And that's going to be one of the other tests that Tom Fitzgerald and his management staff are going to have to do. Are they going to be bold enough to make the moves as necessary. Cause I think one of the things we should, should not ignore is that this past draft where they drafted Simon Nemitz, they also drafted Seamus Casey, like the majority of their draft picks were defensemen. Mm-hmm. So if you're a ball, you're an Akutyuk, you're a Vukajevic, you're a Walsh, your time is limited. Like if you're not going to make the team now, well, Nemitz will probably make New Jersey. You can pencil him in for New Jersey next season. If not earlier, Luke Hughes, is probably going to come into the professional organization. Then you can pencil him in. And then you got Shakir Muhammadulin, who might be coming back on loan or off loan. I should say from Ufa. That's three guys right there, Dan. Mm-hmm. And if you look at cap friendly again, there's two spots on the defense that are going to open up right away. And yeah. Brendan Smith is on an expiring contract uh, next season. And he's just a depth veteran depth guy. So you know, it's almost like the defenseman, you, you know, you better make it. And more importantly, is Fitzgerald going to pick up on the fact that these guys value is not here in New Jersey. Let's see what we can get for them rather than let them, you know, sit on the vine in Utica and turn into the next Colton white or the next um, Josh Jacobs or some other middling defenseman who was thought to have promise at one point, but ultimately isn't, is a minor leaguer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we have, th- this is the turn of the corner year. Like last year, if we want to, we wanted to call it that last year, but if we're yep. calling it a mulligan because of the goaltending and the retained coaching that we thought would be no better then fine. Let's, let's say it was a mulligan in the sense that the year before was COVID based. Um, you know, this, the last year still had interruptions, whatever you want to say it, the goalies having whatever happened to them happen. Let's call it a mulligan. This is the year where you have to show signs of turning the corner or else you have to start again. Like you, you don't have any more patience to wait. And so to those players that want to be part of the rebuild, this training camp is going to be 
so interesting to watch. There's so many more fringe players at this point than I think have been in the devil system for a long time. You always kind of had those guys that you heard about in the AHL who are like, yeah, he'll be up. He'll, he'll be good for a couple of penalty kills here and there. But this is the moment where you can really, you have to make your mark because there's not that many slots available anymore. There's just, they're starting to build a team that has NHL caliber talent. If you want to be part of the solution, you have to do what Dawson Mercer did. You have to stand out. And that's a big I think that's a big initiative towards someone like Alex Holtz. I think Holtz knows there's a spot for him on this lineup if he is seizing it. And right. if he doesn't seize it, then there's a lot more questions being asked. Absolutely. And they will make a spot for Holtz. I think mm-hmm. that's the other difference. Because again, Holtz does have the pedigree of a high draft pick. He was drafted by Fitzgerald at his, at his current staff. So, I mean, he's got that in his favor. Um, but yeah, like, you know, if Holtz doesn't make it, it's not the end of the world. Like we're talking about a 20 year old player, you know, yeah. you don't write off a 20 year old player that easily. Right. Um, but you're absolutely right, Dan. You know, the questions will start coming, you know, does he have the goods for the NHL game? Does he have the goods to stand out? And more importantly, if, if the devil's New Jersey, isn't willing to let him have a chance, it's almost like you start have to ask the question, well, maybe you need to move him to somebody who will and mm-hmm. maybe get a prospect or another Holtz like player guy who's, not at the NHL level yet, but could be at the NHL level soon. Uh, try to make that type of swap and maybe that works out better. I mean, ultimately, this goes back to what I was saying is that Fitzgerald really needs to sit down and really think like, okay, who among these players am I willing to move for a better tomorrow? Because it's clear that they're not helping today. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so than just moving cap space and expiring contracts for picks or what have you. It's also identifying like, okay, Tatar is not in my long-term future. Let me sell him now, get something, give me a spot for Holtz or give me a spot for a Tice Thompson or a Zetterlund and then we'll play it out, you know, mm-hmm. stuff, stuff like that. Because ultimately the last thing you want to see Fitzgerald do is hold steady to this roster, watch them fail, fail to make changes to it like we saw last season, unless you want to call Andrew Hammond as an improvement, which uh-huh. P.S. he wasn't. Um because that's that's the type of path that's going to end with, with Fitzgerald losing his job and Lindy Ruff be, not being retained or hired anywhere else. Yeah. And suffice it to say, I don't like seeing guys lose their jobs. Like, I really don't like that for the reasons you just said. You'd have to start again, which means who knows what we're going to see. Maybe Brack gets traded because the next GM doesn't like him. Or you see a long-term contract thrown to David Severson because the new GM would like him. You know, stuff where you just sit there and go, Everything is now screwed up, and I don't know where they're going to get out of this, and this draft's going to continue, and it's going to be even more like the early 80 doubles. Well, hopefully we avoid all of that, and yes. some of the young hope that is uh, invested in this Devils team is in the form of several players that the Devils have at the World Championships, the World Junior Championships. Now, usually the Devils have more representation, but there's a lot of players that are not participating for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. For training purposes, they are, uh, you know, their their federations are banned from the tournament is another big reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It's another, you know, minor, minor, major thing happening. But in terms of the prospects the Devils do have there, they have uh, defenseman Luke Hughes. You may have heard of him before. Yep. And they have uh, Peter Hauser, who is a forward playing for the Czech Republic. And that's it. Yeah, well, Nebitz turned it down for the purposes of not wanting to get injured for training camp, which, again, points to the fact that the Devils really like him and would like him to, uh, you know, stay stay healthy. Just 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 work out, man. You know, don't play. Mm-hmm. Um Try to think off the top of my head. Chase Stillman did not make the Canadian junior team, mm-hmm. which 
See, we're doing the top 25 under 25 voting right now at All About the Jersey. I encourage everybody listening to submit your ballots. You have about another week or so to uh, submit this on their community survey. Um, yeah, I'm not going to rank Still Stillman particularly high, Dan. <laughs> I think the, the fact he did not make this World Junior Championship team is a mark against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he's not there. As you said, Russia uh, Russia's banned from the tournament, so no Mukumadulin, uh, no Gritsy. Well, I don't know if Gritsyak is old enough. He might be too old now, but nevertheless... He, he wouldn't be able to go. Um, Barabosha wouldn't be able to go. So, yes, it, it's definitely, yeah, Rukitsiak is 21. He couldn't go anyways. So, ultimately, the the importance of the WJCs, this makeup WJC, uh, isn't that important other than to see Luke Hughes be good and Peter Hazard maybe to show something that uh, we haven't, we, we don't know much about because he played in the Czech Republic in his draft year. Yeah, the- We'll, we'll see how he looks at this tournament. I'm, this tournament, we've known to change people's stock and change people's feelings about mm-hmm. certain players, but I, I don't know how likely of a candidate Peter Hauser is for that. But you're he right, people team. should be... What, he made sorry? the team. He oh, did well, make yeah. the team. Yeah. You know what? That's better than a lot of other uh, sub-20-year-olds in the Czech Republic, so we take those. Um, exactly. So beyond that... Uh, like John said, vote for the top 25 under 25. We're, we're going to break down the list when it's fully finished. And, um, you know, we have an actual thing to talk about, even though some names off the list have changed very recently and some not as recently. But uh, that's up on the site as well. What else can we talk about? Well, in terms oh, of prospects. Oh, assistant coach. Hold on. They hired oh, a second that's assistant right. coach. That is right. Thank you. Uh, I was about uh, to talk about a prospect, but yes. Yeah, the Devils hired a second assistant coach named Ryan McGill. He worked with Vegas's defense, uh, so he'll be taking over the Devils' defense, presumably. Um, Vegas defensively fluctuated in a lot of different ways. You know, they, from year to year, they they fluctuated their defensive efficiency. But what I would say is that they had a lot of injuries in the year that they got twenty first in the league. So uh, I, I wouldn't read into that too deeply. They were top ten uh, all the other years, or I think most of the other years he was there. Yeah. It, it's always a telling sign when you have a big change at the head coaching position. Cause again, Las Vegas started with Gerard Gallant. That's when McGill joined the organization. And then when Peter DeBoer was hired, DeBoer kept him. Mm-hmm. Um, typically head coaches, especially after that first season would start to think, well, let me bring in my own people. But the fact that they kept him speaks to how good McGill was at running the defense. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's statistically Vegas was always a very good defensive team up until uh, the pandemic shortened to 2021 season and the last season. But again, as you said, the team was mostly injured last season and the pandemic shortened season was a very strange one where you're only played the same, you played the same seven teams uh, eight times. So it's a little odd here, but nevertheless, um, even his worst seasons were not so bad in five on five or shorthanded situations. So the fact of the matter is this is absolutely on paper an upgrade. Uh, the Devils absolutely need a different vo- voice on defense. And this is a guy who has some uh, pedigree to do so. Now, the big question is, how is he going to get on with Lindy Ruff? <laughs> you know, yeah. is Lindy Ruff going to tell him how to do his job or is he going to let McGill do his job? Because if, if we find out that we see this team starting to overload and commit hard to the strong side over and over again, like a like the Devils did the last two seasons under Elaine Nazardine, then that should be a sign that Lindy Ruff has way more say on defense than um, he really should. Remember, we still got coaching waiting on the bench now. So this is true. He has a, he has a little incentive to um, pick it up. Yeah. 
Anyways. Okay, so uh, the the prospect news that you wanted to share, and then I think we can wrap it up for today. Sure. Uh, Samu Salminen, another guy that I'm a little surprised uh, is not part of the finished setup since he was the captain of the under-18 team when the Devils drafted him. Um, so Salminen has ha- hung out and finished junior hockey to maintain his NCAA eligibility. However, his original plan of going to the University of Denver, um, the admissions process had some problems with that, problems that that could not be resolved. It's not super clear what that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Denver pioneers. And again, the university of Denver is one of the stronger programs in hockey. So the fact is, this is not a situation where, you know, the pioneers wanted to get away from this player or anything like that. They wanted Salminen to come in. They expected to put him on their top two lines, which is something you want to hear about a freshman forward, especially a draft drafted one. But yeah. since the admissions process didn't go through, Salminen opted to transfer to the University of Connecticut, which is not as strong of a program, but he should get plenty of minutes there. And he'll definitely get a lot of eyeballs there since the Devils already have Artem Schlein, who plays for that program. And more importantly, they have uh, one of the 2023 top prospects in Matthew Wood, who Mm -hmm. I do not believe is related to Miles. But there's going to be a lot of people going to UConn games. So Salminen will definitely get plenty of uh, plenty of attention and hopefully an opportunity to develop and perform with the Huskies and possibly more local fan attention. That's nice. Possibly. Yep. Yep. Go. I mean, there's unfortunately the only local college team here is Princeton. It's Princeton. I mean, no, yeah. no disrespect here, but you know, yeah. it's, it's only Princeton. So it's yeah, not that far, you know? Yeah. Dri- yeah. You can make the drive to stores. Yeah. I think it's in stores or is it, uh, where is their hockey rink located? Oh, whatever. The point is, you could do it in a. You can do it in an evening. You don't have to drive super far. Yeah. So uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. Devils wrapped up their housekeeping for the most part. Uh, they have a little bit more formal paper business to conduct to get the team settled. But now we sit back and wait for training camp. So uh, if you have ideas for what you want us to talk about in the coming episodes, we'd love to hear them. But thank you as always for listening. And that I think that kind of brings us to the end of the devil's off season until training camp, basically. So uh, it's been another exciting one. You know, I, I wish some things had shaken out differently, but I, as usual, I'm falling for the trap of feeling pretty confident going into the season. Um, and so I'm looking forward to regretting that later. So, like I said, thanks again for joining us and thanks again for listening. And as always, let's go devils. Go devils.